Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I want to preach a message. I feel drawn to preach a message today that um, uh, may not be uh, unfamiliar to some of you, but I want to consider a verse in Scripture for our text this morning, Luke chapter 23, verse 38. Luke chapter 23, verse 38. It says, an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. And again, some of you may uh, be reminded of this when I give my title. Don't tell anybody next to you if they've not heard it. I want to encourage you and preach a message this morning entitled, The Ampersand. The Ampersand. Now, I don't typically do this, but uh, we have a lot of our talent is out. Today with uh, the wedding in Illinois and all of that, and so I, I invited myself to sing this morning, and it's always a, a great blessing when I do that. <laughs> I said I was in a singing group in high school, Sound of South, Canton South High School. All right, nobody's from Canton South, but... It was awesome. But I want to sing, and if you know the song, I want you to sing it with me. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, X, T, U, V, W, X, Beautiful. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Give yourselves a hand. Amen. You may be dismissed. Thank you for coming today. Hopefully that ministered to you. W, X, Y, and Z. And Z. We end the alphabet with this phrase in our song, and Z. And it's widely noted that there are 26 letters in the English alphabet, with two of those being A and I are also words. But there was another character, another character in the alphabet up until less than about 100 years ago. There was another character. And they can put it on the screen. In 1863, there was a book that was for... Uh, children to learn their alphabets and some of the basic words in phonics. And notably, there was a symbol that was included as the 27th letter of the English alphabet. It was just next to the letter Z, and it ended the entire set. And while it wasn't necessarily standard usage, it was not terribly uncommon either to have this character included. The character was developed 
along with the rest of language reaching back to the first century. And when Romans would occasionally combine the letters E and T into a similar symbol representing the word et, meaning and. And you might remember the final words of Caesar when he was assassinated by his council. He said, et tu, Brute, and you, Brutus, was included, this letter was included in the old English alphabet, which was still in use until medieval times. And when old English was discarded in favor of the modern English, which we are now familiar with, this symbol, though maintained its status as a quote-unquote, member of the alphabet, with some regions and dialects opting to include it up until about the mid-1800s. However, this member of the alphabet's name was really a mispronunciation. This character was simply referred to as and, which made reciting the alphabet awkward. It was, and is odd to say, W-X-Y-Z and. So they didn't. Instead, our lexicon developed another saying, W-X-Y-Z, and by itself, and. But instead of saying by itself, the Latin phrase per se came into favor. The result? W-X-Y-Z, and per se, and. However, when it was muttered quickly by disinterested and terribly bored students, it came out ampersand. And so today it's referred to as ampersand. Now why the uh, inclusion of the ampersand in the alphabet fell out of favor is anyone's guess. But there's a good chance that the credit goes to that song that we are familiar with, that ABC song that shares a tune, borrows its tune from Mozart's Avu Didesh Mamun, which we often sing as Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. The ABC song was copywritten in 1835, around the time that the ampersand started falling out of favor with the rest of the ABCs. And today, the ampersand is used primarily in business names like AT&T, Dave and Busters, Procter and Gamble. So now when we sing the alphabet song, we say W, X, Y, and Z. But today I want to suggest that we, that we might want to reinstate the ampersand in our alphabet. And I would like to propose that when we complete the alphabet, that we say W, X, Y, Z, and per se, and. W, X, Y, Z, and by itself, and. In other words, I know we've come to the last letter, 
And I know we've walked from A to Z, but wait a second. There's one more letter. It's the symbol for and, and it's all by itself. And I submit today we need the ampersand. When Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And it says, in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil tempted him and did everything he could to get Jesus Christ to throw in the town. But the Bible says that Jesus came out of that wilderness full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit. In verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He had just been tempted. He had just been through the the mill, so to speak. And news of him, it says, went out through all the surrounding region. And it says that he came into the synagogue. I'll briefly summarize. He came into Nazareth and he went into the synagogue. In verse 17, he was handed a book. And the book was the prophet Isaiah. And he opened that book and he found the place where it was written. It wasn't a random opening of the book of Isaiah, but Jesus took the book of Isaiah and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In verse number 20, it says uh, that he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And everyone who was in that synagogue on that day looked at him. Something happened in the room. Something felt different in the room when he began to read it. And he said, in verse 21, he said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, the oppressed. I feel the touch of the Lord in this place. This is not the popular crowd. This is not the group that everybody is trying to hang out with. This is not the club that has a waiting list to join. It's far from it. Their script had been written. Their lives had been measured and found wanting. The sum total of their value to society was in a deficit. They were poor. No money. Begging for help. Broken hearted. Worn down. Walked over like a worn out path. Captive. Bound, They could not escape. Everything was holding them back. Every addiction, every demon in hell. They were blind. They were wayward. They had no direction. They had no sight. They were oppressed. It literally means they were shattered, cut deep, severely wounded, broken beyond repair. This crowd 
is not who everyone is inviting to their gatherings and their parties. I know we all have our parties in our gatherings, and I probably wouldn't have to go very far. I know that that's not at the top of our list. The broken, the shattered, those who are wayward. We're not looking for them to invite them to our crowd. And everybody had written them off. Society and culture and the religious had predetermined what they had been, where they were in that moment, and what they would be. I submit they started with the letters A and they reached the letter Z in describing these people and they are what they are. You can close the book. And this is the condition of man today. One, if not several, of these conditions could be described about us in this room today. The poor, sin impoverishes. It starves us of things in our lives. The brokenhearted. How many know that sin breaks hearts? Sin shatters hearts. The captives. How many know that sin makes us captive and bonds, uh, binds us and controls us? Sin blinds us. It causes us to walk through life without purpose, without a, a plan to walk through life pushed by the ways of culture and the ways of what everybody else is doing and we wander through life. Sin oppresses, it confuses, it causes us to feel shattered at times and broken beyond repair. And today we realize that this is a description of our lives in this room without Jesus. We're captive by things, we're blind, we're poor, we're oppressed in society. In our culture, there are more phobias than you can name. There are more things that you can be afraid of that you can be labeled with as a phobia. And I'm not here to make light of any of it today. I'm here to tell you that we have been able to describe almost every fear imaginable. Yes, there is arachnophobia, the fear of spiders, and aquaphobia, the fear of water. There's fears that, that hit us in all different directions and ways. There's the fear of everything, a constant fear. There's even a fear of the workplace. There's a decidophobia, fear of making decisions. Fears everywhere. And some, if that's not enough, have a description on your life. And our culture labels Students, very early age, as at risk. Again, not making light of that. It's a, an attempt to help. But what are they saying? That due to the circumstances in this child's life, due to who they were born to, what has happened to them, that we can already determine that there's a likely chance that they're not going to graduate high school, that they're not going to be successful in life. We can make assumptions of people who are surrounded by domestic violence and abuse 
and divorce and blended families and no support and those who are raised in houses full of drugs and alcohol. We can make determinations in culture and an attempt to help makes a determination. Nevertheless, these labels are put on us. They're put on people. And if that's not enough, phobias and issues of being labeled because of how you grew up. There's labels that are given because of disorders and things that go on, anxiety and mood and psychotic and personality and eating disorders, developmental and behavior disorders, addictive disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, attention deficit and bipolar and depression and panic and autism spectrum. And you can name these things that we diagnose and we look to try to help in different ways. And some, if you haven't been classified or you haven't been diagnosed, some of you have a culture, cultural identity put on you by peers and family and maybe even bullies, branded, stamped, labeled, labeled as a failure, labeled as a fornicator, labeled as a deadbeat, labeled as an idiot, stupid and adulterer and an accident, a coward, and I could go on and list, and some of you have heard these words, some of you have accepted these words as a part of your life. Poor, brokenhearted, captives, blind, oppressed, and society and culture and professionals and family have predetermined, predetermined what we have been, who we are in this moment, and what we will be. They have started with the letter A, and they have reached the letter Z in describing us. You are who you are. You can close the book. You can count it as fit, fa uh, fact. You can count it as this is the way it's going to be. But I want to remind us today that Jesus stood up in that moment and he said, you've created a clear label for these people, but wait just a minute. You forgot there's one more character in the alphabet and it's an ampersand. It's an and that stands all by itself. It doesn't really fit in with the rest of the letters. And I know it didn't fit into your pretty little song, but Jesus said, he came to preach the good news to the poor. I know it sounds dark and I know it sounds empty, but Jesus said, wait, there's an end. He said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to set liberty or proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are shattered and oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's talking about jubilee. He's talking about the fact that you were once a slave, but now I've come to put an end in your life. I've come to put an end in your life. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Jesus was saying, I've got an ampersand for you, and it's an and moment. It's an and moment that stands alone from the rest of your story. 
And I've simply come to encourage you today that when the enemy has written everything there is to write about you, when he has used every letter of the alphabet, when he has described you and he has marked you, he has defined you, he has confined you, he has described you, he has denied you, he has intimidated you, he has slandered you, he has oppressed you, and he has cursed you. He broke you and he hurt you. He confused you and he refused you. Can I tell you, that's not the final say. It ain't over. There's an ampersand. There's an ampersand. There's another character in the eternal alphabet. Oh, hallelujah. And it stands all by itself. And it stands all by itself. Oh, hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Or can I say today, and he stands all by himself. He is the end. He is the end that stands all by himself. That's why the Bible describes him as the author. And the finisher of my faith. I don't care how the enemy messed with your life in between. He is the author and he is the finisher. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get a hold of that today. Hallelujah. 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 The book of Revelation describes him as the first and the last. He's the first and he is the last. You can count on it. He's the end that stands all by itself. And so Paul said of this, that the first man, Adam, became a living being. And I hear some people call it the second Adam. No, he's not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. And that last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) The spirit of God can change everything in your life. If you would surrender to the spirit of God in your life, it can change everything. It can change your whole story. And like we sang, it can change your whole genealogy. Your children, your children's children, it can change their life. There's an and for somebody in this room today. There's an ampersand for somebody in this room today. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. And as Jesus hung on the cross, the letters had been written down and an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. The verse before in verse 37, it says, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. They didn't write this on the cross to honor him. The enemy had concluded his life with a description that labeled him as an imposter, a poser, a fake, a fraud. 
And the enemy used every major language of its day to define Jesus so that everyone who would see him hanging there would be able to say, he is the pretender we always thought that he might be. So they mocked him. Said, you claim to be a king. Really, you're just utterly poor. And they stripped his body of his clothes. You claim to be a king, but you're just a broken-hearted mess. And they slapped him and they mocked him. You claim to be a king, but you're just a captive dog being held on a piece of wood with no control. You claim to be a king, but what can you see with the blood that's running down in your eyes from the thorns puncturing your brow? You claim to be a king, but you're nothing but a shattered mess. So they wounded him. They pierced him in his side. They had finally finished his story. They had finished the last sentence and they were closing the book. The final chapter of this con man had come to an end. And finally, they could move on having reached the letter Z. So they wrote in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Ha, look at this king. He can't even save himself, and he claims to save others. It's done. W, X, Y, and C. But they didn't understand. There was going to be one more character to the alphabet. It was the ampersand. There would be an and, an and per se, and, an and all by itself. And Paul would say it like this. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And so, rising from a cold, dark, damp tomb, Christ defeated the one enemy that had become notorious for having the final say. Somebody needs to understand that death is not the final say. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the end that stood by itself. When others had claimed to be the Messiah, they were defeated by death. When others had claimed to be the deliverer, their argument was silenced when they took their last breath. But the resurrection of Jesus stood alone as a statement to hell that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. The one whose society, culture, and religion had closed the book on said, I've got something to add to the story. John would write and say in Revelation 19, 16, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You're right, Pilate. He is the king of the Jews. But Jesus would say, I'm not just the king of the Jews. I'm the king of the poor. I'm the king of the brokenhearted. I'm the king of the captives and the blind and the oppressed. And I've come to proclaim a new day. 
The Bible tells us too that he's not just the king of the Jews, but he's the king of righteousness. He's the king of our behavior. He's the king of ages. He's the king of our time. He's the king of heaven. He's the king outside of time. It says he's the king of glory. He has all power and all wealth in his hands. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. And Luke tells us in chapter 133, and with his reign, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So I declare to you today that he's the king of every principality. He's the king of every power and every dominion. He's the king of every continent. He's the king of every time zone. He's the king of every country. He's the king of every region and state and province. He's the king of every metroplex and county and township. He's the king of every city and every village. He's the king of every neighborhood. He's the king of every home. And he's the king of every family. And he wants to be the king of every heart in this room today because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. There is no demon in hell. There is no addiction. There is no backsliding. There is no struggle. There is no tragedy. There is no trial. There is no failure outside the domain of his kingship. He has conquered everything. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Somebody needs to hear that today. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That's the ampersand. See, death makes it feel so final. It's the finality of things because it's the final thing that we see, but it's not the final thing that happens. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life, though he may die. That's why fear is subject to Jesus Christ in this room today. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? What are you afraid of? If that's the final say, Jesus said, I've got something beyond that. There's an and moment. There's something beyond that. And so your story doesn't end with death. Doesn't have to. So I conclude today with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, Quite a list. 
And I would guess that all of us can make the list. But Paul said, and such were some of you. That doesn't have to be your story. That doesn't have to be the final say of your story. And such were some of you. But you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. Washed, cleansed, sanctified, set apart, justified, made righteous. How? By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. The Bible tells us very clearly how we take on the name of Jesus Christ. It's in the waters of baptism. We are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I already quoted this scripture. Adam, the first Adam was a living soul, but the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive that life-giving spirit that causes our story to change. That, oh, boy, we have a colorful story, chapters of heartache, chapters of craziness, chapters of college, chapters of this and that and things and tragedies that have happened. Jesus said, I've got something that stands outside of all of that, and it's my spirit, my life-giving spirit. That if you'll surrender to it, it will change your life. I've shared this story. I close today. You can stand with me. Share the story often, but so meaningful to me. Story of my dad's dad, who in the who was born in Jerusalem, came to America in the 1920s got involved in a lot of less than honorable things, bootlegging and racketeering, those kind of things. Ultimately, he would get arrested and he would be put into federal prison in Marion, Illinois. In Marion, Illinois, there he would be. I don't know exactly how long he was there. What I do understand is that at some point when he got out of prison, that he found his way into an apostolic church. And the guy who invited him to church was praying and began to speak in tongues. And as he began to speak in tongues, what we refer to as, as speaking in another language, it's uh, the Spirit of God empowering him. This friend began to speak in tongues in Hebrew. My grandfather, who was born in Jerusalem, understood what he was saying, and it transformed his life, and he too took on the name of Jesus in baptism, and he too received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, and he gave his life to the service of ministry. 
He died, I believe, when he was around 52 or 53 years old. But I say that to you today because that story could have just been an A to Z story. Could have just been an A to Z story. But there was an end to my grandfather's story. An end that didn't just impact him. It impacted his five-year-old son. Impacted, he died when my dad was five. And it impacted him to a great degree. And certainly it has impacted my life as his grandson. I never knew him, but I know the end to his story. His great-grandchildren sit on this front row. They never met him, but they know the end. And there's some Ann's stories in this room. You've got some chapters you're not proud about. You've got some chapters you wish you didn't have to tell. But I'm telling you today, there's an and in this room. There's addictions that need to be broken. There's chains that need to be broken. There's brokenheartedness that needs to be healed in this room. And so before I invite you to come, if you feel comfortable, I want you to come. We're going to be careful and mindful. If you don't want anybody praying for you, that's fine. We understand that right now. But we want to pray today because I believe the Lord wants to set some people free. I believe the Lord wants to open some eyes. Some people have been walking blindly. You've been walking blindly. And Jesus Christ is coming to tell another story in your life where it's full of purpose and it's full of power. God, I pray right now. I pray right now. God, for everyone under the sound of my voice, maybe God who is resonating with what I'm preaching today. They've walked through some dark times. Maybe they've even been labeled. Maybe there's some things that have been diagnosed in their life. Maybe there's some things, God, they've walked through. Some trauma, some difficulty. Some things that they wish didn't happen, Lord. But today you're saying that doesn't have to be their whole story. That doesn't have to be the conclusion of their story. God, and I'm praying there would be healing that takes place in this room. There would be, God, a deliverance that takes place in this room. God, there would be a peace that is spoken into some hearts in this room because you are the and in our life. You are the resurrection and you are the life. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of death in this room today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.